So in this episode, I have the great privilege of having a conversation with Dr. Tracy Jones. Tracy is the author of 10 books and counting. She's the president of Tremendous Leadership. Now, you may recognize the Tremendous Leadership from her father, the late Charlie Tremendous Jones. And Charlie founded Executive Books in 1965 with the goal of changing the world one book at a time. After growing her experience bag in every way and everywhere she could, she moved back home to central Pennsylvania to carry on the tremendous legacy in 2009 after her father's passing. It was an easy choice for her. After all, she had grown up under the tutelage of greats like Zig Ziglar, Ogmandino, and Norman Vincent Peale. She read personal development books and wrote book reports to earn spending money. And the transformative power of learning through reading great books was instilled in her at a very early age. Her father's famous quote that you'll probably recognize is that you will be the same five years from now except for the people you meet and the books that you read. And this is an amazing conversation, and I'm so honored to have Dr. Tracy Jones on the podcast. So here it is now. Well, hey, Tracy, uh, I'm terribly excited to have you here on In the Growth Space. Uh, ever since our initial conversation I've been thinking about this uh, coming up uh, conversation and really just the the honor it is to have you on the show. I, I, you know, as I told you before, I, I, I knew about your dad from a, from a wee little lad and my grandfather and my, my dad were, were both in the insurance business. I was in the insurance business for a long time. And so I always heard about Charlie Tremendous Jones and actually got to hear him speak one time as well. So welcome to In the Growth Space. Thank you for uh, for being on today. Thank you, David. It is a tremendous honor to be here. I am also terribly excited about <laughs> chatting with you and the fact that you had already met my father and knew of him. And then when we connected, the spark happened. Yes. Like, it's you and you're you. Uh, just thank you so much for the chance to share with your listeners and reconnect again with you. Yeah. So yeah, my my pleasure. My pleasure. Why well, you know, one of the things we talk about here on the growth in the growth space is is just growth journeys. And so why don't we start with just a little bit about your growth journey? Tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe what it was like growing up with Charlie Tremendous Jones. <laughs> Well, I tell people, for those of you that didn't know him, he was one of the top 25 legends of personal development. And if he were still on this earth, he emigrated to heaven in um, 2008. He was known as just a really dynamic individual, one of the legends of personal development. And so I tell people growing up with a motivational speaker, prior life insurance salesman as a father and best-selling author was a, like a cross between boot camp and a sitcom. <laughs> so it was always fun and yeah. he'd meet people and he was just so out there. If you go to the Tremendous Life Books YouTube channel, you hear him. He yeah. was hysterical. He was very kind of like a cross between Rodney Dangerfield, who he loved, but with love, you know, yes, with tenderness. Yeah. Yeah. And he would, you know, just come up with these zany one-liners. But as a an individual that came from really difficult circumstances that found insurance, found God and found my mother. He was always very much, this is where you start, but this is where you wind up. So everything was very growth oriented mm. and there was a reason for everything. Oh, you hurt yourself or somebody hurt you. Good. 
there's something to be learned from that. Oh, you had a success. Good. You're going to learn from that too. And there's two things growing up that he always told me. One is, and this is in his book, Life is Tremendous, that we all are born with an empty key ring attached to our side. And every experience we go through in life, good, bad, or ugly, whether you messed up really bad, screwed the pooch, as we used to yes. say in, in the yep. military or whatever, yep. <laughs> you got keys. And the secret to a great life is the more keys you get, the more doors you're going to encounter in your growth trajectory, you're going to be able to figure it out. And the other thing he always told me was, Tracy, you need to go out and earn your stripes. And he was never in the military. He loved the military, but I literally went into the military. His point was, you can't live in anybody's shadow. Mm. You have to go out. And and so growing up, David, I sat under the tutelage from uh, my earliest memories were listening to people like Zig Ziglar, Ogmandino. I tell people I read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People Before the Pokey Little Puppy. One of the things I remembered (laughs) about all these phenomenal men and women was that they had done it. They weren't just talking in theory or telling funny stories. They had built things and you could see it in them. And people were just wrapped at listening to the words because they were sharing how they too could become better individuals to make the world a better place. So growing up, I really understood I had a healthy relationship with failure. um, And I understood I had to go out and carve my own way. I had to own it, which are really powerful lessons for a young person to learn because you have to learn them in life. And the sooner you learn them, the better. Yeah. Because it's a universal truth. It doesn't change. Right. So that that's what it was like. It was wild. Yeah, you know, it's so amazing. I I I love hearing that story and I love really the the fact that no matter the good or the bad, you know, the, the successes or the failures, all of those contributed to your growth. And, and, you know, it's so funny because even as you're saying that I'm hearing my grandfather and my dad in my head and which who were, you know, obviously influenced by your dad. And I, you know, that, that is, I think probably part of who, who I am today because of that growth process. So you, you went into the military. So what, what led you to the military? It's kind of funny. I uh, don't tell a lot of people this, but I was bouncing around from school to school trying to figure out what I wanted to do, what I wanted to study. And my father went down to Roswell, New Mexico. This is before the aliens were around. Okay, like this yeah. back in the early 80s. Yeah. I was a big X-Files fan. Yes. And he went down there and he talked to a school called New Mexico Military Institute in Roswell, oh, New Mexico, okay. which was an army high school and junior college. And oh, he wow. came back and I was in upstate New York going to a, a private Wesleyan liberal arts school you know, kind of doing my typical unfocused Tracy. That was the old Tracy. (laughs) And uh, he came back and he laid this thing on NIMI and MMI on the table. And he said, Tracy, these kids are really going to do something with their life. So I was a middle child. So I'm like, let me check that out. So I went and I applied and I got accepted. So I got to get my associate of arts Um, from there back in 1983, a long time ago. And then after you graduated from that, typically people went into West Point because it was an army um, junior college and what they call a prep school, like Ah, VMI or Norwich or the Citadel. Uh, There's a lot of them out there. And so a lot of people want to go in the army. Some people wanted to go to the Navy and I'm from Pennsylvania. So I knew of Annapolis and West Point, but I fell in love with the West. I mean, when I, when I was in New Mexico, I'm like, land of enchantment. Yeah, I can't even stand it. It's so beautiful. And um, they said, well, there's this place that has been open to women the past few years called the Air Force Academy. And that's in Colorado. And I had always wanted to be an astronaut. I love science fiction. And I'm like, 
let's go there. So by the grace of God, truly, <laughs> I had a wonderful major Fiedler, a wonderful AOC that just believed in me and got me an appointment to the Air Force Academy. And that wow. was the rest of that's how that's how it happened. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, I love that. And just even your comment about falling in love with the West. I was on a business trip to New Mexico and for the longest time, I, I just, and I still am, I'm, I mean, enamored with the West, the light, the, the, the landscape. It's just amazing, but that's the sidetrack. <laughs> But, but it was, it got me where I needed to go. Whatever exactly. your motivation is, it was good motivation. And, you know, of course it was all to serve the country. I, I, sure. I had a love of my country uh, yeah. that was embedded in me from my father learning about the great, we read a lot of biographies and autobiographies going out and I knew that this country didn't just happen. So I had a, yeah. an appreciation for that and then was, would have served my country in any way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the chapters in your dad's book talks about leaders being readers and so, and you talked even about that. So how, how important have books been in your own growth journey and, and as you've just grown throughout your life? Well, there is a need to know and there's a need to grow. And mm. so for 20 years when I was in the military and high tech and defense and government contracting, I read because I had a need to know instructions, cost yeah. modeling, scopes yeah. of work. Yeah. regulations, you name it, just enough to be capable at my job and proficient. Hmm. But then when I left, I realized that there you read because you have a read to grow. Mm-hmm. And dad said, we, we, we read to get smart, not for showmanship, but for growmanship. And mm-hmm. so I would always look at these people that were reading. And again, I got to tell you something, and you guys are entrepreneurs out there. When you work for somebody, a bureaucracy, reading isn't really high on their list. It's very yeah. bottom line. I get it. I'm not critiquing them, but they're not really into personal development. And Mm -hmm. if you have a guaranteed paycheck, that's different than if you work in an organization where it's commission-based. I've worked in both, where you Mm -hmm. have to stay motivated. You have to stay a better communicator. You have to stay at the top of your game. Otherwise, you don't get to bring home money to eat. So Mm -hmm. I was always in uh, very, I studied engineering. I'm very analytical. And my dad's side was all this, you know, what I considered touchy-feely emotional sales stuff. And I I never really understood the science that went behind sales. And so Mm. I thought it was like, well, these people are just, I'm not like that. I like processes and stuff. So it wasn't until I left, when I came back home to run Tremendous Leadership, I thought to myself, these people love reading because of how it makes them grow. I'd better develop that hunger. And I had a hunger for developing uh, intellectual capacity. They call it cognitive efficacy, like yeah. learning new things. Yeah. But developing yourself is a different form of learning. And so mm-hmm. I realized I got to dial this in because otherwise they're going to look at me and go, "She's not one. Of, she's not one of us." <laughs> yeah. And that's where I fell in love with reading. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, so so uh, cool just to hear your path because I, I you know, there was. A, a part of me that follows that same path as well, you know, just seeing seeing my own father and my grandfather in their journey, because they, again, they were a part of the insurance uh, world and you were paid by commission, the things that you sold. And I, I too knew that if I was going to grow, if I was going to continue to grow, I needed to, to, to learn, to really love to, to read. And, you know, back, I guess, you know, in my early 
childhood or not childhood, but early adulthood, I used to listen to tapes a lot too. So that was kind of, you know, cassette tapes. I know it's back a, a number of years, but, but popping a cassette tape in of, uh, you know, a Brian Tracy, or yeah, I'm just trying to think Zig Ziglar, that, those, some of those were the ways that I kind of quote unquote read until I got a little bit older and then learned that my goodness, you know, there's just a wealth of of knowledge and a wealth of ways to learn through through these books and that that I, I love now. And um, I think that many leaders, especially emerging leaders, don't realize that we can we can learn from other people and we can learn by other people's experience. And it's really one of the reasons why I love this kind of a, an environment where we can have a podcast where we can chat and talk about each other's uh, growth path because. It, it helps to be able to allow people to look into our lives and look at that journey and and, and see where we've grown and, and how we've grown and then apply it to our own lives. Absolutely. And to dovetail on what you were saying, you know, you can learn through experience, but you can also learn, as you said, by reading and studying the other greats. And when I went back yeah. for my PhD in leadership, I went there because I was like, I'm still not hitting it. There's, mm. I was a leader, but I'm not sure how well I engaged in the art and science of leadership. Mm. And coming to this realization at 53 years of age, I was like, oh, okay. And so I studied the science and the theory and the grounded research behind it. So um, what I love is you can have the experiential side of it, the street smarts, but when you blend the book smarts together, that's yeah. when you understand why it happened, not just what happened. And it mm. was was so enlightening to me to go, that's why that went right. And that's why that went wrong. And so uh, it was just uh, a really powerful thing. Some people say, well, I don't think you need college. Well, you don't need anything. But like, if I had to pick one, I'd pick experience because you actually go out and do stuff. You can't yeah, necessarily right. make a living just studying unless somebody's funding you. Right. But when you can do both and everybody can do both with the online learning, with the online courses, yeah. with podcasts, with eBooks, you can always be learning different things. And so that's yeah. where when I went into the PhD program, that's where I just discovered my internal researcher. So mm. that just fascinates me now hearing how mm. that other people, oh my gosh, you went through that too. And that's the other beautiful thing about learning yeah. and growing. You realize you're not alone. Right. And yeah. you find these advocates and resources that will come alongside you. Remember, they went through it so that they could then help people like you have the confidence that you can get through it. And so that's a beautiful thing too, to not just sit yeah. there and go, well, I got to figure this out. Well, you do, but you figure that out through reading unbelievable books on people that have gone through it and connecting yeah. with people. Yeah. Like who yeah. you have on your podcast. You're you're a tremendous right. connector. Sure. And you don't have to you don't have to go through these earning your stripes alone, nor should you. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing I think that's a real key for for growth is and I think you even say this in your book. Uh, which we'll talk about here in just a minute too. But but you know, having a tribe and being able to go through the your your life and your leadership journey and your growth journey with other people's uh, people around you, advocates that that really give you the the support that you need, plus the the prodding and the 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 encouragement that you need as well. Let's let's uh, I want to I want to dive into something that I read in your book for just a second because sure. part of your growth journey, I think, was coming back to run your your family's business your dad's business and I, I would love to hear your 
maybe just maybe your learning in that process and what drew you back. And I know it was at a part of, of, of your father's life when he was, you know, transitioning to heaven. And, you know, that was, a, I'm sure, a painful component of your life as well. But, but what was it that drew you back to the family business? Well, they always say that there are two ways that you can pivot, pivot on purpose or pivot on pain. And of course, we would love (laughs) to think that we pivot with purpose. We get a calling too. And it's so admirable. We're anointed. But 99% of the time, we're going to pivot because of pain. And I have to say, I came back to run my family's business, David, because I was so fed up and defeated and let down Mm. with bureaucracy after bureaucracy after bureaucracy after bureaucracy. Mm. And so I kind of came back with my tail between my legs and thought, I've no, I've not that I didn't have anywhere else to go, but I just yeah. couldn't stand it anymore. I, my soul was depleted and I knew there had to be a better reason. And in the back of my mind was my father's voice saying to me, Tracy, as I would jump career fields <clears throat> every three to four years and you had the honeymoon period. Oh, this is it. Yeah. And then after six months, you realize this is the same crap. It's a different day, you know, right, it's, right. because it's people and it's entities and it's not the yeah. industry because industries are made up of individuals. So right. people are people ever yeah. since the dawn of mankind. Don't yeah. fool yourself. We're not yeah. evolving to something higher. Yeah. It's human nature. And so I remember him saying, Tracy, you can either work for somebody else or you can work for yourself. And as Mm -hmm. long as you keep working for somebody else, this is what's always going to happen. And so Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, well, you know what? I have looked high and and low for the leader that I I love and want to be loyal to. Mm -hmm. Let that person be me. And so mm-hmm. I just came back and that's yeah. what drew me back. And, and I talk in the book, I kind of had a real, a real confirmation from God that this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. You know, like the Blues Brothers, we're on a mission. Sure. From mission from God. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, I really had this encounter where I just thought, uh, the Lord let me know, hey, listen, this is the real thing. You come on back. And, and at that point, I thought, okay, if this is a calling, I don't have to be him. I don't have to recreate him. Yeah. All I know is if God says I'm supposed to come back and do this, there's really nothing else to worry about. And that was incredible for me because you guys know when you work in the bureaucracies, you're always worried about corporate or your employees or HR or legal, or it's just nonstop. I mean, yeah, it's sure. a wonder I even got anything done. Um, <laughs> yeah. And again, probably because I wasn't engaging in the great art of leadership, but mm. I wasn't perfect, but I wasn't as bad as some people are. Yeah. And so um, it was really just coming back and saying, and the whole first year, David, I God let me kind of still do my defense contracting in DC. Okay. And then half the time I was back here. So God okay. really let me blend the two things that I loved until I was really confident. And I said, okay, I'm done with this chapter of my life on to this one. And if you can do that, do that. Because for me to abruptly just come back and land in a little ma and pa publishing company after having worked in in fortune 100 companies that would have been quite the shock for me sure Uh, even though i went to war coming back and running working in a family business yeah (laughs) that's that's kind of like war too right (laughs) different kind of warfare so um for sure (laughs) so that that's really what it was god pruned everything off And just let me know, I'm not going to let you take another job or another title or another pay raise because Mm. you've tried that for 20 years. Yeah. This, yeah. And I just look back now at the timing of it. And it was so providential. And I came back three months after my father passed. And there was a reason for that. We had 
danced around working together, those of you that are talking about succession planning. And I have known many people that have done succession planning brilliantly, where the two worked together and they handed it off and then the elder retired and everything was hunky-dory. That doesn't always happen. And in our case, we just approach things differently. Mm. We were probably too similar. Uh So... God knew the perfect timing and he waited until one was out of the picture before the other one came in. And for that, that worked out good. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And and I'm kind of curious then too, what was it like taking the reins of that business and molding it into really your personality and your, you know, your, your vision for the company? You know, what was that like? Well, a couple different things. I, I read up on second generation businesses, what to yeah. do, what you do with the legacy brand. And yeah. I watched this special on Versace on like because oh, yeah. I'm like, I watch those fashion documentaries because <laughs> I love the creative processes about yeah. how the greats buy different houses, Karl Lagerfeld or whoever, uh, Tom Ford, and they come into different houses like publishing houses and they take the DNA of the founder and Versace, oh, I forget her name, the Donatella Versace said when she came in after her brother passed, unfortunately, in tragic situations, hey, what we needed to do was keep the DNA but yeah. evolve the brand into today's contemporary fashion sense. And I yeah. remember thinking that that's it. You keep the DNA, but yeah. you make it uniquely yours. And so that right. really stuck in my mind. And coming back, I knew because I had earned my own stripes. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I had my father's imprinting, my earthly yeah. and my father's imprinting. Yeah. I knew I had different inf- influences. And I also knew that I had uh, a different career background. So what, as he had done a lot of sales and entrepreneurial, I had come from more brick and mortar, more traditional business industry. So I thought, well, this will be nice. I'll be able to dovetail my sense or my perspective on with his. So it was um, it was incredible. Once I realized that, number one, like God told me, I got this. I, I, I just was free to realize, listen, if it lasts a week or a year or 10 years or 50 years, that's great. If it doesn't, we'll put a bow on it. To God be the glory and I'll move on to something else. So that was incredibly freeing, but also to keep what he started. And I loved what he, I I love the mission. It's my passion too. If it wasn't, I couldn't have come back to do it. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's a real key there too, having the passion to be able to take it over. Because right. if you didn't, I mean, you would just be going through the motions and you Absolutely. probably wouldn't heart, even yeah. be fulfilled really, you know? Your heart wouldn't be in it. And so it, it was very, very much just, um, you know, taking forward what he did. And I realized there's three things he really left us with. Mm. No debt. Hallelujah wow. for all your business owners. No debt. Yeah. Number two, an unbelievable reputation with some of, with connections all over the world that I still get calls from people. He oh, had just amazing. cultivated. And number three, a way to make money. Yeah. Okay. So this is, I didn't come back and inherit this big nest egg or anything, but the, that's all I needed. I'm an operations girl. That's sure. all I needed to know. And, you know, to come in and not have to, and just be able to be free to create, pick mm. up on his residual momentum that he had created yeah. and then start, okay, I have to create my own momentum. It was, it's just been a wonderful thing. And, and there are days where I'm like, yep, yeah, I'm just not sure this is going to go anywhere else. But he also told me there'd be days like that. Sure. And the yeah. minute I want to quit like that, I get an email from somebody like you saying, hey, and I'm like, we live to fight another day. Yes, you know? absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, you know, something you just said about what your dad taught you is uh, about those relationships. And, and so I, I'm curious really about those relationships that not only he built, 
but then that you've been able to to develop as well. How important are those? I mean, I know that you talk about you know having you know advocates around you, but but not just advocates, but but also just relationships for a business. How important is that in you know your growth journey and the growth of the company? It's everything. It's one hundred percent. And a lot of people are like, "Well, I'm a solopreneur. I'm just sitting behind my computer. It's it's never going to work." Okay, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work. You have to have the resources and the advocates and the connections. And whether you meet in person or not is immaterial. You and I, David, have never met in person. Yet you're a tremendous advocate for me, and I hope to be for you too. So I always tell people, you cannot get it right without the right people, processes, and products. We're not meant, we're not coded either from an evolutionary standpoint or a theological standpoint to go through this alone. So uh, the devil loves to get us in our own little gilded cage, sucking our thumb and thinking we're the only ones here. The minute you start thinking that you need to snap out of it. Everybody is out there. There's so many people waiting to help you, but you have to go out there and do the work to find them to ask them and to Mm. authorize them to advocate on your behalf. And so Mm. when I first came back, I was like, oh, dad helped, had all these people, but I can do it alone. I've I've gone to war. I've launched jets that cost $44 million a piece. I've loaded (laughs) nukes. And so I didn't rely on them because with my own ego and probably my fear of failure, I thought I can do this. I run big organizations. And guess what? I couldn't do it. Mm. And about eight years into it, David, when I hit the wall, I finally realized I have not pulled in any of these unbelievable advocates. And so I reached out to them again with my tail between my legs and said, hey, and you know what? They were so kind to me. They weren't like, well, we were waiting. (laughs) What took you so long? They were like, I can't believe you feel this way. What you're doing is great. And I'm like, it may look like that, but I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And they were like, what can we do? What can we do? And that's when I realized, you know, these people want my success more than even why I want my success. Mm -hmm. How stupid and selfish and prideful of me not to let them share in the blessing. And that's what I'm like, I'm all about now. And the more I do that, the more I find the joy in everything that I do. That's, that's really cool. Well, and talk about that joy talk about that, that, that journey of, of really now enjoying what you're doing and, and actually just talk a little bit about the company, talk a little bit about, you know, your organization. Absolutely. Well, um, tremendous. It was life management services. My dad started that back in 1965. He had been an insurance agent with Mutual New York. And by the time he was in the mid 60s, so he would have been late 30s, had grown a business of $100 million, which was, you know, back then unheard of. So then he left the insurance business. He wrote the book, Life is Tremendous. And he started Life Management Services Incorporated, where he was a publisher, a speaker, and a distributor of books. So Mm -hmm. many of you may remember these power packs where he put together these great books. I mean, he was, he was like Jeff Bezos ahead of his time and publishing (laughs) using a book as a credit. I mean, he did so many things that were way ahead of his time. So he passed, it became executive books. And like I said, he went to heaven in 2008 and world renowned speaker, wholesale distributor of books. Cause he he wasn't just about listen to me. He's like, you have to listen, but you have to read. And if you have to pick one read. So he was always a big book pusher. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, bibliotherapist, read two (laughs) books and call me in the morning and all your problems will go away. Just read this book. So, and of course he flunked out of school in the eighth grade. So he knew 
that even if you missed on affordable education, self-education is what will make your life worth living. And so then I came back and I rebranded it to Tremendous Life Books at the one-year point. And then about five years ago, I started doing Tremendous Leadership because I really wanted the focus Mm. to be on leadership. So we still speaking online courses, virtual in-person keynotes. We're publishing. We publish probably about 15 books a year. And we still do wholesale distribution for organizations that want to support their big events. A lot of direct sales, network marketers, they have these big, fabulous events. Um, A lot of real estate, a lot of um, financial Mm -hmm. planners, anybody doing a big conference will order our material to hand out to their guests as a thank you or potential clients. So we're, we're still doing it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, still doing it for all these years, right? <laughs> Seems like a lifetime. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, what what is, uh, I guess, as you look into the future, what is, and I'm going to come back to your book here in just a second, mm-hmm. but as you look into the future for your own organization, and maybe even your own leadership, what's like the next, I'll say, arrival point for your for your growth journey? What do you see as, as like, what are you striving for right now? Well, I find as I talk about in Spark, you're constantly honing your vision and your clarity. And, you know, what my singularity was when I came back, every day I get more clear and focused on what's the one thing that I really want tremendous leadership to be known for. Now, like I said, we do several things, but there still has to be that overarching thing, which is recognizing and igniting the greatness in others. So whatever medium or form that takes, everything must orient back to that. So the next real thing I'm looking for is resources. I can't do it all myself. And I have some wonderful people, but as we're scaling up and growing, what I'm looking for and praying for, and it's all in God's timing, is the right people to come alongside me and help (sighs) me take this to the next level, to grow the business, to scale it. And I know that will happen when it's meant to happen. And I just keep refining the purpose, or maybe it just stays like this. And this is a tremendous opportunity too. But what's next is, what is the desire of my heart is that, but this is all in God's timing. Only God creates the growth. One of my friends said, you pray as if everything depends on God and you work as if everything depends on you. Yeah. So I am putting it all out there. (laughs) I hope to be, to grow. I really do. But if not, I'm praying because in the end, only God gives that growth. So it's in his timing. And it just, it it gives me peace. The main thing that's changed in me is I am a lot more peaceful about this. Before I'd say it and I'm like, but then I'd go Mm -hmm. home and I'm like, why isn't this happening? Why haven't I sold as many books as so-and-so or why is so-and-so getting booked? And um, now I'm just like, listen, I'm doing me. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm just going to be have peace in the journey. And um, that's it. Well, and it's amazing how when you kind of rest in that, that it it's it's miraculous in, in, in many ways, how it God just kind of brings things into your path, you know, and 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 opens things up. And I think sometimes it, this is a, a lesson, I think, for a lot of leaders, and that is we can be striving and doing all the time, but, but we have to transform that doing into really being, you know, God created us as human beings. And so we have to be it first and then let that being inform our doing so that we can have what we want. And, and I think that that striving so often is, and this is just something I've been kind of playing with in my own head and my own growth journey is just because I'm an achiever. I've been, you know, 
programmed that way for for and my personality is that way. But I think really resting in I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can do, and then leave the rest to to God and 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 open the door for whatever comes and not be attached to the outcome. That's it. Really is freeing in a lot of ways. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still <laughs> I'm still struggling with that a little bit. You know, it's sure. still it's still I'm still a work in process. But but yeah, that's a, I think that's a great component of of growth and a greater awareness and uh realization uh, that you've you've stumbled on there thanks and remember it took me a long time to realize it's not about me or the business or the people i hire the greatest leadership challenge you're ever going to have is you yeah and the yeah. more you just orient everything back to you and stop looking at everybody else yeah then we'll stop blocking the blessing pipeline because we can't it's like the slingshot metaphor until until we're lined up and the tension is perfect and all this striving is part of the process but don't let think about the israelites what should have taken 11 days what takes your car 4 minutes to drive should have taken them an 11 day journey took them 40 years right 40 right. years for a 4 minute drive why because they were grumbling and they were discontent so i i tell people yeah. i'll never be perfectly content because i want i want more and yeah. i think that's a beautiful god given thing more from god but I'm not discontent. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, there's a good restless and there's a bad restless. And yeah. the more you dial this in, you'll know the difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that actually is, I think a good segue to even talk a little bit more about your book. We've been kind of dancing around it. I've got a copy of it here and thank you by the way, for sending this to me. It's it's a wonderful book called Spark. And I, I love all your acronyms, uh, you know, nothing like the product of an insurance person to, uh, to have, uh, you know, acronyms all over the place. I love it. So, Tell us what sparked the acronym SPARK and then and, and you know, what led you to, re to write this book. Thanks, David. SPARK is the result of my PhD. Okay. And you don't write a PhD without then writing a book for the layperson because why go through? <laughs> right. And by the way, PhD stands for piled high and deep. So <laughs> That's great. There's at least one thing in this world I know an awful lot about. Seriously, uh, it was one of the greatest, the greatest things in my life. And anybody contemplating it, call me. We'll talk about it. You have to do it. Even uh, in your mid-50s, your brain still can do it. Great. So I studied in my PhD a crisis leadership. And mm. what I really wanted to study is not what the leader did, but followers. In mm. other words, why did some people go through this crisis and think this was the worst thing in the world and other people went through the exact same crisis and said, mm. it's not that big of a deal, just like COVID, okay? Yeah. There are some people that have probably died because of anxiety. Forget mm. COVID. They've yeah. just been so, anxiety is the biggest virus and killer of everybody. Sure, You're always sure. going to have stress, but stress does not have to become anxiety. So yeah. I did this study and I found that there are certain things that really I could spot within five seconds of interview. I did a case study where I interviewed five leaders and 25 followers okay. and was like, okay, did the leader do something to make you like uh, Spartacus or, you know, gladiator yeah. or yeah. whatever, or, and um, you know what the answer was? No, it's just how I am. Mm. So leaders realize you want to model it, but the but the real goal in leadership is leadership, finding those people with that intrinsic spark, that resiliency that's already in them. Because yeah. all I can do is ignite what's already there. If it's not there, no yeah. amount of money, coaching, threatening, whatever mm. uh, is going to 
get you motivated and off your butt and into the game. So the book is really about the five essentials that you're going to need. And again, SPARK is an acronym, singularity. You have to be all in and focused on that one mission. That's why if you have people in your organization who do not share your mission, this is not going to work. Okay. They're going to be, they're going to win. We see this all over now with the gig economy and people moonlighting and listen, you got to be in. And there is no, it's like being pregnant. You are or you're not. You're not (laughs) halfway in. You're not pregnant during work hour, in or out. Uh, P is persistence. Okay. You can't quit. You can want to quit. And that's your tenacity. So this is what you bring to the table, that you're all in with the mission. And you'll know it because you'll ask your employees. You don't even have to ask them. You can tell. It's like telling your spouse, honey, how's it going? You already know (laughs) by the way they're interacting with you. You also already know if they checked out. And even if they say, everything's fine. You know, you know. So, um, I mean, I don't know with mine. I mean, I know it's good. It's still good. Thank God. And so singularity and persistence are the things that you bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I can't make you love the job and I can't Mm -hmm. do the work for you. The Mm -hmm. other three things are the extrinsic things, the external Mm -hmm. uh, points. And typically where self-motivation fails is people get all jazzed up about, this is my mission. This is my mission. This is my mission. And they get out there and people are like, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? And then they're like, oh, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This is you, regardless of what anybody says, you must persist. But A is for advocates. These -hmm. are your angels on earth. The yeah. door openers, the mentors, yeah. the, the the prefects, resources are the tools, the capital, mm-hmm. the podcast, the yeah. website, the, sure. the people shipping my books. You know, you still need things to execute the dream, hard yeah. products, contractors, subcontractors, business partners. And then K is knowledge. You have to constantly be in a state of learning because what worked for you last week, probably not going to work next week. Yeah. And as you keep unfolding yourself, you're going to learn need to learn different things. So yeah. that's the external stuff that comes to you. And here's the internal stuff that you bring. And so yeah. when you, and the book really breaks down, typically people are good in a couple of these, but there's one they're missing. Typically it's singularity. They're Mm -hmm. they're trying to do too many things, or they're trying to do what other people want them to do, or their focus is not honed enough. Mm -hmm. And two is resources. You just don't have the right resources. And that's incredibly frustrating. You can see it, you can taste it, but you just can't get there from here. So we really unpack in the book how you identify as an engineer, look, Mm -hmm. let's troubleshoot what ails you. Let's get to the root of what the problem is, because otherwise we're not going to fix this. We're just going to gloss over it. So that's really what Spark is about. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you take the internal, there's an internal component, the S and the P, and then the external, the A, R, and the K, because, you know, it, it, there really are two parts of our growth and really that, that singularity of, of, of our purpose and the singularity of our vision and, and focus, I think is so important. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I coach a lot of leaders and that seems to be one of the pieces that, that tends to be missing and the, they want to say yes to all of the things, yes. uh, all of the opportunities, but they don't realize that when they're saying yes to everything, they're saying no to other things. And they really need to have that reverse. They need to be able to say no to a lot of things 
and yes to only those things that are that singular focus and that's thing that's going to move them forward. And so, I mean, that was the part I know of the book that, that spoke to me the most, because mm-hmm. I know it's one of the areas that I struggle with the most is, is having that singularity of focus. Absolutely. I struggle with it every day. That's why every day I have to write down, this is my focus. Honest, like if I had a seatbelt for my chair and the little <laughs> Amish buggy blinders, Yes, because yeah. you know the thing about leaders and, and people listening to your podcast, they're probably good at everything. Even on their worst day, they're still going to be right. more successful than 99% of the people. Yeah. But you waste time and energy and you still miss that true, great um, zone of genius that only you can do. And people like, yeah. Tracy, there's, I couldn't be the best at anything. Yeah, you can, because your experience is your expertise. Only yeah. you have done what you've done because there's only one of you. So right. um, I'm glad you're helping people really do that. But with my groups, because we do online courses and go through yes. this, this is the thing that most people struggle with. And typically people in my courses are mid-50s, older, uh-huh. some younger, a lot sure. older. And so they've had great careers. They've done a lot of things, but they're like, but now I really want to do what I was put on this earth to do. And that's mm. a beautiful thing it to be is. in that space. Yeah, it really is. Talk about your courses. Cause I know we, we talked uh, before we started recording a little bit about some of the things that you're doing. And, and I know that the courses uh, was one thing that's, that's kind of new for you. And so I'd, I'd love to have you tell uh, people listening about those courses and, you know, how they can get uh, access to them and, and really what that's all about, what they're all about. Well, thank you. Well, for our entrepreneurs out there that are honing on what they're going to do next, the book really helped me get clear on my message. They always say the three things and the three things needed are your message, Mm -hmm. your market and your medium. Okay, so the book, uh, nothing like doing a PhD for them to help you focus on darn little thing. You can't just write all about leadership. What's what's that one thing? And of course, they they really helped me hone in on the theory of motivation. That's Mm. what I I love, live and breathe. So I had that. And so that was my message. Then it was really dialing in on my market. Well, thank God I was already really integrated with my market because all the work my father had done. And even though a lot of my work, the previous 12 years may have been a little akimbo, it still (laughs) landed and kept kept growing the base. The next thing that I'm working with somebody helped me realize is now we need a medium. So yeah. we started doing Zoom calls and that was right. wonderful. We had seven live Zoom calls, but then we kept having more and more people sign up and there's only so many days in a week and two months and this and that and that. And every now and then I want to go out to eat with my husband or go to a <laughs> prayer meeting and, right. and it was wonderful. So we did, we recorded some online courses. We still have okay. interactive ones because mm-hmm. people love just the cohort. I That's yeah. why I got my PhD online. And then we met as a cohort, the blended yeah. learning. I love because I like studying on my own and then we get together. So, and then after that, everybody kept saying, well, what's next? Like we uh, went through the book. You're not yeah. just going to leave us. Right. And I'm right, like right. teacher. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then we started a singularity deep dive. So now okay. we're about halfway through that eight modules where we really unpack what does singularity mean? And we go Mm. into your fears. Mm -hmm. We go into your core values. We go into what do you need to prune off? Then we get into your message, your market, your credibility, uh, your competitors, and then your product line. So we're in singularity, then on to a deep dive in persistence, advocates, resources, and knowledge. And then after that is just one-on-one working with me. So, and who knows what else, you know, 
there's just no telling. Kind of an evolution. Yeah, I know. That's, that's fantastic. And I think that that's part of the growth journey is to be able to evolve as, as, as time goes along, as you learn more, as you grow more, and, and as you really understand what you want to deliver. I think that's part of the journey. So I love what you're doing, Tracy. And, and thank you for sharing your books. Thank you for sharing uh, your dad's legacy with us here today. And really, uh, if there's anything that you would like to leave our listeners with, what would that be? What would you leave our listeners with today, just from your message um, or anything that we've talked about today? Oh, I'm so glad you said that. This would have saved me a lot of heartache in my life. And again, I, I, the first thing was the difference between leader and leadership. Okay. Mm. Understand that the nuanced difference between that. The biggest thing I would say is if you're a leader and you're growing your organization and you all are, or growing yourself, or even if you don't have any full-time employees, you're still going to have people that you deal with or sign up for that work with marketing, whatever, branding, yeah. website development. You want to make sure that you understand as a leader, what it is about that person that brings out the best in you. Okay. For instance, I tell people I'm slactose intolerant. Okay. (laughs) If I hire you and I have to follow up on you, that triggers the untremendous. I I mean, it was in the military. Just do it. I don't want to follow up on you. And yet I hired people that were not intrinsically self-motivated. That was bad on my part. Okay, mm-hmm. because they needed to be in more of an atmosphere or work for an organization where it was more set in their ways. They had somebody working side by side with them. And the other thing is, I would say, when you bring people on, ask them, what are they looking for? The follower is going to respond to certain leadership traits and characteristics. Mm-hmm. And so I, I look at hiring as much more like dating, okay, <laughs> because you are yoked. And I say to them, okay, what, what are the leaders that have brought out the best in you. And if I hear somebody that says they let me do whatever they want and they never corrected me, I know that's probably not going to be, I have heard stuff like that. Yeah. Time out. Yeah. (laughs) But if I do hear somebody say, because I'm a big feedback person, all right. Mm -hmm. If I hear somebody say, I need a leader that's going to tell me on a recurring basis, what I'm doing wrong and give me a place to advance. Mm, this could be a mighty fine relationship. Yeah. So I just wish I would have known that the old school of thought is you hire people in and then if you're a great leader, you can turn them into anything. That yeah. is so false. Yeah, sure. Leadership and followership, it's a dance. Mm. Sooner or later, they have to start dancing and following your lead. So I would say, are they willing to grow? Are they all in for your mission? And are they uh, adaptable and able to be developed? If they are, you snap them up for however long you have the blessing having them. And if not, don't even go there because there are certain mm. core traits you cannot imprint as a leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After yeah. 30, 30 plus years of doing it, what? No, 40 years of doing it. Trust me on this. This is the one thing I know. <laughs> this is the one thing you know. Oh, I love that. Well, Tracy, thank you for that You know, wise advice. And thank you for sharing time with us here today. I mean, it really is a blessing to have you here. And I'm really grateful that our paths crossed and, and uh, we're able to uh, just share this time together. Thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot to me. And, and, and I know your dad has meant a lot to me and a lot of our, our listeners as well. I know that in a previous episode, one of my guests referenced your dad as a, a book that he read as a kid. And so, you know, your your dad's impact is, is far and wide. And it's really cool when things just kind of appear, so to speak, you know, and, and you know, having, having just a, this, this conversation has really been tremendous. <laughs> 
Awesome. Thank you, David. Thank you for all you're doing. And just uh, just even, like I said, connecting me with your people and reaching yeah. out to me and the honor of, of having me on your podcast and, and wow. encouraging so many. Well, it's been it's been a, a blast and I really appreciate the, the opportunity, Tracy. So thanks. Thanks again. And uh, have a have a great rest of your day. You as well. Bye bye. 